Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor-in-chief here at Modern Retail. This week, I am super excited. We have Lena Cores. She's the co-founder of Cores. It's a skincare brand that's been around for over 25 years. I believe 1996. You guys launched. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Lena. No, no, no. You're right. You're right, Katie. Over the last five-ish years, Cores has been expanding into the United States. I'd love to talk about the difference between the European market, the U.S. market. I know over the last year plus, you've been focusing on hitting the Gen Z demographic. And also, you're in a space that's really hot right now, quote-unquote, clean beauty, which I know you've talked about in past interviews before, just how this has always been what you guys have been doing, but now it's something that more people are caring about. I want to just go into all of those intricacies. But Lena, how are you doing? Thank you for joining. <laughs> Hi, Gail. I'm doing great. I'm in New York now this time of the year with my team. I'm traveling between New York and Greece, you know, uh, around the year. Thank you for having me. Very wow, what, to be here. What a cosmopolitan lifestyle. <laughs> Yes. New York and Greece. Yes. So first, why don't we talk just about who you are? You've been at Cores for a very long time. Um, but what what were you doing before? And how did you end up in, in the skincare business? Okay. Uh, so yes, I've been with Cores from the beginning. So with Yorgos Cores, we founded this brand 1996, like you said earlier. And before that, I was just, you know, I was fresh out of the university when I started. So before that, I was in, uh, I was studying uh, chemical engineering. And, uh, you know, when I graduated, I was like, I loved my school. I loved engineering. I loved all of that. But the good and the bad thing is that you can do so many different things. You don't, you know, you don't have a pre-described, you know, route. And many engineers, you know, they go down uh, uh, the route of uh, heavy production and, you know, heavy industry. Uh, but I was more like I, I've always been very outdoors. I love nature. I love, you know, natural products and all of that. So um, when I found myself in the Cores Pharmacy, you know, in the original Cores Pharmacy before the company was founded, where I met Yorgos as well, I was kind of, you know, enchanted because it was this magical place where they had, you know, everything from herbs. You could go there and find thousands of remedies herbal preparations, everything that anybody needs from, you know, uh, herbal medicine. And that, created, that there was a cult following, you know, in the pharmacy, like people went there. There were even, you know, personal and handmade prescriptions. There was everything you could ask for. And, and everybody was a scientist as well. And me being a scientist, I was always, I do not want to go home and fix something in my kitchen. That was not my dream at all. You know, with my science background, I wanted everything to be, you know, super, you know, done properly and documented and everything. And I, when I got there, I found myself thinking that, you know, right now, the offering that we had, you know, in 1996 uh, of natural products was extremely limited. And not only limited, but also you had to compromise. There were simplistic products. Everything looked brown and boring and, you know, kind of, you know, ancient really uh, so going in the pharmacy and meeting Yorgos you know what we you know started dreaming about was a product a brand that would be really scientific would have fantastic you know aesthetics in terms of the texture the look and feel but also how the product you know the design of the product would be as natural as possible and super efficient because Yorgos George is a pharmacist I'm a chemical engineer so we wanted you know, our science to go into the product. 
And that's really how everything started and how I got into skincare. This is something I wanted to ask because I was doing research before and I knew that you guys had been around since the 90s, but I didn't realize that the, the started with the pharmacy. How common was, because I know that like U.S. pharmacies, we have a very specific association in there. They're not what a European pharmacy is, I will say. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more. But like, how common is it that a pharmacy will make its own products, or at least in Greece? In Greece and in Europe, it's common, but in a small scale of, you know, you know, pr- products that you will make in the back room of the pharmacy that are like normally they have to have to go in the refrigerator. You, you know, they don't have any preservatives. So they're really simplistic. They're a better version of what you can do at home if you have, you know, some basic knowledge. Uh, so that happens. And, you know, when I went to the pharmacy, there were already those type of products in the pharmacy. We had some really successful, you know, creams sitting in that little refrigerator where people, you know, came and bought. Uh, but that that was, you know, not what we were dreaming about. This is going to be a, a decades long question. You launched in 1996. Um, and it's, you know, you've had a really interesting trajectory. I know that I was reading up, I believe you had a launch in 2008 in the US, but then you did a ma- much bigger relaunch, I want to say in 2018. Is that correct? Well, there are milestones. But actually, our story with the US goes much further behind and it's a really so let's get, get, walk me through all these milestones i want to hear yeah them. yeah it's a really interesting story because you know when we started uh you will discover through the stories we did not have a business plan really because we were both <laughs> scientists. yeah we were both scientists we were too young we, we we didn't have you know the background to sit down and say okay this is a business plan this is how we launch this is what's going to look like what we knew very well and what our passion was was the product so we wanted to do like a state of the art, the most efficient, the most exciting natural product out there. That was everything we, you know, we put our hearts in. Now, what happened is that, you know, we started, you know, doing those products and there was a huge demand actually in the pharmacy. We had so many people coming and saying, we get everything for you from you. Why can we not get our beauty products from you? So we started doing, you know, our brand, we founded the brand, we started doing our very first products. And then, because Greece is a destination, as you know, there is a, it's a highly touristic country, there is so many people, you know, from around the globe visiting Greece in the summer. So what happened is that we had two different uh, distributors, like one in LA, one in New York, that were in Greece for holiday on the island of Crete. And they sold products in the pharmacy because we started distributing our products outside our own pharmacy. So they saw the products on the pharmacy on the island of Crete and they both came back to us and asked, you know, to 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 talk about, uh, you know, bringing the products in the U.S. It was the time, the era before email, believe it or not. So we were communicating through fax. <laughs> it was really, you don't hear, you don't hear yeah. that much these days. anymore. Honestly, yeah, that's how it happened, really. And, uh, you know, that was not easy at all, you know, to, to communicate in, in, in this way. So we came in uh, in New York and we visited New York and LA and we met with both of them and decided to work with one of them here in New York. He was an amazing guy and his whole business model was that he he was European, he was American, he was a lawyer, very well educated, but he had a passion for European products. So what he did is he, he created this company where he brought products from Europe. He ended up doing a small brand of his own also from Portugal, from Italy, from Greece, bringing products here in the U.S. Uh, so 1996, the brand was founded, and it was like 
maybe a year later, we were such a baby company, not knowing anything, you know, uh, of this, you know, crazy business world. And he brought the products here and we found ourselves in Beauty Band, on, in Beauty Bandle, in Anthropology. There was a, a website at that time called beautyjungle.com. And we were, you know, in the discoveries from around the world and we were, you know, really doing very well there. So that was the first steps that we took here in the U.S. So that was already maybe 1998 that I'm talking about. And the funniest part is that we had no presence in Europe, but but uh, at that time, Harvey Nichols, which is the number one trend-setting retail environment in Europe, Harvey Nichols in London, uh, it's a fantastic, you know, uh, store, very upscale, beautiful, amazing concepts, very pioneer, you know, in the, they were bringing so many new things in the market. And they decided, they were thinking at that uh, time, and they decided that, we make it difficult for cons- for beauty consumers to shop because we have brands like Torres or Avida or Dr. Hauska that are, you know, they have a story, they have, you know, um, an origin, they are natural, they are, you know, all of those things. And then we place them next to Estee Lauder or Clinique and it doesn't make sense for the consumer. So they decided to launch a space they called Beyond Beauty, uh, which would be the destination for all those cult beautiful brands that had a different story to tell and of course were natural or organic or something like that and they had an oxygen bar then they had a juice bar so they created this beautiful space and in order to do that and to find those brands they sent their buying team all over the world in the big you know metropolitan cities of the world so this lady from Harvey Nichols London goes to New York to scout brands and she finds us in Harry, Henry Bendel. <laughs> he loves the brand. So the first shipment to London went from New York instead of going from Greece, which, you know, London and Greece are both in Europe. Because, you know, it happened It, it happened through our distribution here in, in New York. So being in New York really opened the doors for us. Apart from, you know, getting a presence in this market, is it was the... The, the first step that made that really created the domino effect because Harvey Nichols like was such an establishment and everybody was looking at Harvey Nichols that then after Harvey Nichols we had one year exclusivity we did amazing with them and then and honestly not everybody did amazing there were 80 brands in the beginning and only 20 moved forward after the after the first year so it, it wasn't an easy business to fight for but it was a beautiful environment and then it was uh, Selfridges in the UK and Liberty and then Bon, bon Marché in France and like Harrods and everyone, all the big department stores around Europe, you know, they wanted to have the brand because of the success with Harvey Nichols. So New York has been, you know, such a beautiful thing for us and a beautiful story because it really propelled the, you know, the, the global uh, presence of the brand. Uh, that is that is wild. Yeah, that is that, wild. That really. you, you had you had like a thing in New York, uh, a random guy found you in Cree, and then that's how you got to the rest of Europe. But so yeah. for those for those early 2000s, then was your distribution focused getting in those higher end department stores in Europe specifically? Would you say that or sort of how, how did that coalesce from there? Um, well, thank God we realized is, uh, soon enough that, you know, when there is several ways to do distribution in a country, apparently. Uh, but we did not have, you know, the financial means or the team to support a distribution that would be massive. Uh, 
So what we did to expand our brand is really have a solid presence in all those, you know, windows of the world, because those big department stores, there is one or two or three, you know, in each country, in the big metropolitan cities, where you can really have a presence. And then, you know, you create the awareness for your brand, because people travel, everybody who will go to London will step foot, you know, in Harrods and Harvey Nichols and, you know, Selfridges and all of those places. So then everybody that goes to Paris will go to Bon Marche and Galerie Lafayette, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So when you do, you know, you 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 accomplish that type of distribution, you know, your brand starts building a global awareness and you're not already distributing Sephora or a partner like that because those partners require much more, you know, investment and support and team, you know, and all of that, which you cannot do if you're a very, you know, new brand. So that's how we grew, you know, our brand globally. And at the same time, because our heritage is the pharmacy, and actually I forgot to mention earlier, which I think is like a beautiful thing to understand, that before we made those beauty products, we were doing herbal remedies. So we have the knowledge of more than 3,000 herbal remedies, which means we have the knowledge of how those natural ingredients work in your body when you take take them orally before you put them on your skin. That heritage, that knowledge, you know, we didn't want to, walk away from that so we were always trying wherever we could to have distribution in the top pharmacies also in the european cities because the european pharmacy model like you said kelly in the beginning is very different the european is a destination for good products for amazing advice for you know value for money but products that really work and that are clinically documented versus the, the, the the u.s pharmacy model is more of a drugstore, more of a supermarket, more of a place where you can find, you know, everything really for your home. In, in Europe, it's not like that. It's only your medicine and your super, you know, your super selected beauty products. I actually wanted to ask you about that because this is just a personal fascination I have because whenever I'm in Europe, I think the pharmacies there are so nice and you can just sort of browse and see all these They're really products. nice. <laughs> um, but what is, how does... And maybe it's different now than it was 10, 15 years ago. But like, how does distribution work for those? Because they're usually independently owned and operated, my understanding. But then they still have the same ubiquitous signage that says Apotech or whatever in that that language, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, So like, does each country have its own set of specific distributors who then go to every pharmacy? Do you have to make inroads with each pharmacy itself so that you can get distribution there? How does that work? Yeah. No, you're right. They're independent pharmacies, really. Or best case scenario, you might have a chain of, let's say, 10 pharmacies. But, you know, that's nothing out of the thousands of pharmacies that exist in the European countries because it's really, you know, one in every corner, more or less. And they're really they're really small and beautiful and, you know, curated and all of that. So that's how it works. You have to find a distributor that has the sales force, the sales freak to really visit those pharmacies. You have to visit them, you know. You have a round, you know, you you just, you know, you have per quarter, you have to visit more or less everyone. Or if there are smaller pharmacies twice a year of the, or if there are very important customers, you know, every month. Uh, but we decided to build that on our own because that's our home country. So in Greece, our biggest strength right now, and of course the, the brand, we have this, the brand is a beautiful thing in Greece because, you know, it's, it's kind of the a pride for Greek people and there is no family in Greece that raises their children without some of our products. There's no house that you will not find our products. We have this unbelievable awareness of 99.6% 
which is insane. Wow. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Like you know, people love the brand. So you know, when we were riding a wave, you know, so you know the brand was getting so much love just out of our own pharmacy and then distributing to other pharmacies and then, you know, having our friends talk about it. And uh, so that we decided that in our home country, we will be, of course, our own distributors. So now we have a fantastic sales force that visit our customers and we know our customers personally and by name. There are many, there are about 6,000 pharmacies in Greece. And then we have our trade marketing team that goes and, you know, really merchandises the product properly and puts the window, you know, decoration and kind of create little events in the pharmacy. So we have that powerful team that activates in Greece. and But we cannot, of course, replicate that with our own team in the other European countries. So there is where we need to go with a distributor that has the same structure to go into the local pharmacies and do all those uh, all those things. How okay? How many people do you have specifically just on the team for Gr- Greece specifically? The uh, for the team on Greece, you know the, that that sales and trade marketing team is is maybe more than a hundred people. Wow! And like that that's many more, I imagine, than for any other geography you have, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah, we have a massive distribution, and you know we we do it on our own. Yeah. What is your biggest market, uh, like geographically? Is it the USA just because of the size, or like does Greece actually stand up to it with having so many people do- doing it? Yes, exactly. So Greece is still number one, which is uh, really not what it should be, maybe, and and definitely the US is number two. So, uh, but you know the potential in this market, you know, to grow is always, uh, you know, Greece is a ten million people market. It's so tiny. All right. Now that we know that the U.S. is number two, let's go back to how it's been going with the U.S. So you had your, you know, department stores, the higher end in the 2000s throughout Europe. Uh, You deployed into more boutique pharmacies throughout Europe. When did the U.S. become uh, a focus once again? I would say, um, yes, around maybe 2009, 2010, like which was Right after the crisis uh, in the U.S., we had we had a distribution with Sephora. We had uh, uh, we ha- actually had our own boutique in Soho on Wooster Street at that time because we we wanted to bring you know the pharmacy environment. It wasn't the pharmacy, but really kind of you know the breadth of the assortment and you know the way we want to talk about the ingredients and the way we want to talk about Greece. All of that you cannot really do. In a retail environment, but if you have your own store, you know, in in a very you know uh, nice spot, then you get to give this experience to people. So it was mostly Sephora, our own store, some digital customers, digital you know partners, and also TV. Somehow we found ourselves uh, with HSN. Now it's HSN QVC, and that business actually became very very big for us. Uh, so right now, like that's how it started. Right now, we do have presence with retailers. We have our TV business and we have our own digital also, which we are, you know, prioritizing really to grow. So we have quite a wide distribution in the US. Of those three, which makes the most sales? Is it digital? Is it stores? Right now, it's, I would say it's still actually TV. That makes TV is massive, you know, it's, it's national TV. Like you, you have those numbers that can, you know, when I have my meeting with my team and we recap the month, you know, everybody wants goes crazy when they hear the numbers from TV. 
Because when you say like the productivity there can be like $10,000 a minute when you're on air or you're selling, you know, 100,000 pieces in a day. Those are, you know, really big numbers. Uh, but, and, and of course, it's a very powerful means. But, you know, Amazon is doing amazing for us. Sephora and Ulta are, you know, very strategic partners for us. And of course, our own digital is growing and, and you know, we want to grow this not to compete with the other environments, mostly for the experience, to be able to give, you know, to people the experience. At some point, my dream for our digital here in the U.S. is to be able to uh, give people access to things that they cannot have through other brands. Why? Because most of the brands here in the U.S., they buy a product, you know, from a third party manufacturer. You put your label, your name and you sell it. And that's all you have. For me, it's the exact opposite. We are a vertical integrated model where we do everything in-house and that is our beauty as a brand. And I think that's such an amazing, you know, experience to get people in. We have our farmers. We grow our own ingredients. I can really, I, I wish to, to streamline the next harvest of the oil, of the olives and how we produce our olive oil. We have our R&D, which is in-house. I have my killer R&D team of women, chemists, chemical engineers, and we formulate the products in-house. We have production in-house. We even have our own recycle lab where it's a huge, huge, really industrial scale. Uh, it's not a lab, industrial scale facility where we recycle plastic, paper, and uh, carton. So these things, if I can bring them to life through our website, this is the dream here and what I want to do. Because sales, we can achieve through all of our partners. But to be able to bring people into that universe is something very unique, which I think is exactly what we need to achieve to you know, be, do justice for our brand and really tell the things that we are here to tell and we have been doing for 25 plus years. That was something I wanted to ask you because I was reading an interview you did maybe a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, where you mentioned pretty much how you want to be telling your own story digitally. You want to be focusing on this. And my understanding was that it was a focus kind of on live streaming and that you would be doing it on your own website. Is that still the plan or sort of how, how are you looking at this in-house production and telling your own story? And how do you see that manifesting? I don't have this figured out yet, to be honest. Uh, yeah. But I want to... Yes, live streaming will definitely be part of it because the exciting thing is that you can watch things live. Of course, there is time difference and there is those, those things, so you need to tackle this. But you can really show what's happening in the lab when you, you know, you you create a product, or you can show what's happening in the fields when you harvest the ingredients. You can show all of that. So that's something we're still figuring out. I wanted to ask just about the evolution of product expansion over the years, because you've gone beyond just skincare. I know you're in, I believe you're in fragrance, if, you're, if I'm not mistaken, and you're in a few other things. So like, how have you chosen specifically because you're so vertically integrated and you're making everything when you want to expand, when you want to go into something new and to make sure that you have the bandwidth to do that? Yes. It's a very different situation in Greece versus, let's say, the US, because in Greece, we have so many product categories you would not believe. And that happened because we are, like I, like I said, we have such a big brand awareness that people want more and more from the brand. And when we can have a meaningful, natural proposal in a category, we will do it. Uh, you will laugh, but, you know, we have our heritage is skincare. That's what we have been always doing and where I think we're extremely strong with formulating. 
natural but super efficacious products and super safe, of course, because, you know, safety goes above everything. But uh, around skincare, we have, you know, body care, we have our pure glycolive collection, we have some hair care, we, we even have makeup. And the product category that we have been asked for the most in Greece has been baby products. Everybody wanted to have baby products from us because of the trust relationship that we have with our consumers. But honestly, to do natural products, natural baby formulations that are super safe and where they should be, we did not think we could do it with the, you know, with the ingredients we had available in the beauty industry 20 years ago. So we ended up launching our baby line something like five years ago, I think 2018. And that is a big, you know, business we have in Greece. But I am not thinking to bring everything we have here in the U.S. Because in the U.S., I, I, I want to make sure more, more of a streamlined story and proposition and, and people understand what the brand stands for. And the brand really stands for skincare. If I reach a level of awareness where people, you know, understand the brand instinctively and inside out, then there is definitely more expansion to do. But in, in Greece, that's how it went. Because as we were building really huge awareness, people demanded more and more from the brand. I think there is very few brands that experienced something like that in their home market. Sometimes their home market, you know, is really big or whatever, but that level of, of awareness is a unique situation to be in. Yeah, I cannot think of any example <laughs> like that where 96% yeah. of the population knows about you and are just saying, exactly. give me more. Exactly, exactly. It's a unique, and maybe, you know, it has to do with Greece being a small market, really. If it is the US, it's a 300 million market. There is no way you can achieve this, apparently. But it's, you know, it's a circumstance that's pretty unique. Absolutely. So let's, we, we've talked a lot about last decades. What has your focus been on for the last few years? I was, you know, doing some research. I know that you've been trying to expand and especially in the US, I'm pretty sure, get more Gen Z shoppers and do a lot of campaigns focused on them. Is there anything else you've been thinking about or any other expansion plays that, that have been top of mind? Listen, Gen Z, yes, because, you know, every brand out there, there is no brand out there that wouldn't tell you the exact same yeah. thing now that <laughs> you have true. to go after Gen Z. Okay, so I am not the brand that will, you know, uh, that will target only Gen Z because we're not a brand that, you know, just was born yesterday or a year ago in the Gen Z era. So we are not that type of brand. But the way I see this really is that we have an elevated responsibility towards the younger generations. And that responsibility has to do with educating them, giving them products that will be good for a lifetime. Because if you think about it, the way I think about it, we use beauty products like we use, I don't know if you're a guy okay maybe you can get away with two three products but if you ask you know your girlfriend there is many products that we use that means that you are layering so many different ingredients on your skin for 50 60 70 years of your life so the accumulation of those ingredients in your body whether you're using good natural ingredients or other ingredients that that's super important it comes down to being equally important with what you eat so for me, this is where I see the elevated responsibility that I would really like, you know, to educate them and give them the options to use amazing ingredients that will be good for them using for many, many years and will, you know, have healthy, glowing skin forever. That's, you know, the biggest part of it for, for me, the way I see it and being around for so many years as a brand, you know, you get to that point 
the same way when you have, you know, you're a professional and you grow in your career, right? There is, you reach a point where you want to give back to other people. You want to mentor other people. As a brand, I feel we have reached this position where we want to make sure, you know, we give back to the younger generations knowledge, beautiful ingredients and products that are good for them and beautiful values to align. Because like I was saying earlier, that's an exciting you know, brand to align. And I think that each one of us and the younger generations, even more so, you you have a sense of belonging. You want to align with things that you believe in. You know, I, I am like that. I have always been like that. If, you know, I read about the brand and I do not like their story, I will never purchase from that brand. <laughs> <laughs> so I think brands, you know, tell stories, bring out values where you can align and that's a big part of, you know, the shopping. It's it's like the exciting part of, you know, of the shopping. You want a big part of things that you like. Yeah, that's actually what, what I wanted to ask you about. Given that you have such a big presence on home shopping networks and you have such a large distribution presence at like the biggest retailers, Ulta, Sephora, et cetera, what are the other channels you're hitting in order to reach the U.S. audience? Or do you even need to hit them because you're 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 in these other places where you have so many eyeballs? And what are the the channels that are working the best to get new shoppers, new eyeballs? I would say digital, to be honest, because, uh, uh, yeah. And 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 the big retailers, I mean, Sephora is doing it and Ulta are doing an amazing job, you know, attracting new consumers. Uh, there is always this, you know, discussion on media, Gen Z like to shop in Sephora, then they like Ulta, then they go back to Sephora. You know, there is all of that happening. So there is, you know, there is massive, you know, people will go in those retailers and shops so you get visibility. But I think also digitally, everybody shops on Amazon right now. Everybody, like, I had fantastic, I had, like, a revealing discussion. You know, TJ Maxx, you know, they have historically been, you know, a place where you would... Beauty, beauty stalking. But yeah, right, discovery, now, yeah. right now, Gen Z goes to DJ Maxx for discovery, which is so interesting. And not only discovery, but also exclusivity. Because, you know, not every store has the same product. So they find something that few other people have found, not nobody else. So they have this elevated, you know, joy of discovering more, you know, exclusive products. So that that market changes a lot. And I think there are no boundaries, really. People will go everywhere. If you want to know about the product, Amazon is like Google right now, right? You will go to Amazon to look at it. You will not even go to the website. You will go to the Instagram to look for it. Then you will, you know... Maybe you want to go to Sephora because you have the points. Like people will go everywhere and they will shop everywhere. So for me, that is a nice part of a wider distribution that that they can see you here and there and you can create more of a holistic experience for them. Are you guys in TJ Maxx out of curiosity? Yes. I mean, not, not you know, with an assortment, but we have been like, you know, through COVID. Yeah. brand out there because the consumer behavior yeah. were changing back and forth. You know, you were left with some inventory. You had to, you know, work with TJ Maxx. But now I'm seeing that there, there is new excitement around that channel. So, like... Well, everyone loves a treasure hunt. You know, it's always called the exactly, treasure hunt experience. treasure hunt. Exactly. That's exactly what it is right now, which is a new thing happening. So, yeah. Well, so with that... Amazon's kind of the opposite of that, where it's not a treasure hunt. It's you're searching something. And also when you're a brand, especially a brand like yours, that's focused on sort of being premium or higher end and having a story and telling about your ingredients. Has Amazon gotten any better with with you being able to tell a story to a new shopper? Or is it more, you know, that if someone is going to be searching for it, they're going to find you on Amazon? 
I wouldn't say that is Amazon would be a brand building partner or you know a discovery channel like you said, but but they have gotten a lot better, I think, because you know there is things you can do on your product page that where you will you know make it much much more exciting. You will tell a much better story. You will give you know a much better you know product education. There is definitely better things you can do. What I like about Amazon is that it's a very democratic channel, and that I love. And that's part also of our of our DNA because from the beginning. When we, you know, created our brand, if I take you now to back, you know, 25 years ago, we sat down with a piece of paper and we wrote, okay, what are the principles that, you know, we want to keep following in the years to come? And it was, of course, natural. Number two, efficacious, clinical documented. Number three, the aesthetics. It has to be, you know, because aesthetics is more than aesthetics, really. It's, you know, puts a smile on your face, makes you feel nice. All of that. Also, aesthetic is also texture, smell, everything, the experience. And number four is the price. We want our brand to be democratic and affordable. We don't want to be something that you buy for, you know, a gift or once a year. So Amazon, I think, fits with that principle because everybody can go on Amazon and get something and, you know, and search for something. So that's the part that I like. That's it's it's accessible to everyone. Got it. Makes sense. Well, we're just about running out of time, but um, wanted to ask one final question, which is just, what are you thinking about now? We're heading into Q4. I'm sure that's a very busy time for you, but also what what's ahead for you know 2024, the year to come, in terms of either expansion, launches, etc. What are you thinking about? Yeah. So yes, of course, we're heading to Q4, and it's going to be crazy. At the same time, you know. We're all starting a budgeting process for 2024. So it's this time of the year where, you know, you have to live two realities and you have to like really kill it in both of them. <laughs> so, so yes, I am, you know, already thinking about 2024. I don't want to expand to more, uh, to more outlets or more distribution. I think, I think we have enough of them. I want to solidify my storytelling about my key pillars that is my major goal for next year because i think we have some fantastic key pillars and those for me are the key ingredients of our products which is just mentioning this you know this is something that there is a story behind it's greek yogurt it's santorini grape it's black pine and it is the pure greek olive so i want to solidify and give more experience around the storytelling of those key pillars that's what i will try to do you know, mostly on my digital, of course, but also with my retailers. Well, Lena, this has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate the time. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. This has been amazing for me, too. And I hope, you know, you got a little bit of a European flair that, you know, for your consumers. And I hope it's interesting for them. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.